Hello there, everybody, from the dry streets of Tucson to the glittering lights of Osaka. Once again, you are plugged into, oh, God, it hurts. Oh, God, it hurts. Uh, I am the Six Button Samurai, a.k.a. JJJ, and with me, as always, is my magnificent co-host, live from Japan, Mr. Eddie Tang. How are you, Eddie? Pretty good. Uh, Yeah? I guess uh, Osaka does glitter at night. Yeah. It kind of does, and if you ever go downtown to, uh, especially where I live, where uh, you see the Dontonbori River, You'll see a lot mm-hmm. of signage and really cool scenes. So, yeah, if you ever come to Osaka, come, yeah, come I to mean, the Dontonbori River. It's pretty awesome. When I hung out with you in the summer of 08, um, Osaka was like a day trip for me, and I really liked it. It's got a like, nice, relaxed vibe. It's Yeah, I mean, Tokyo is just overwhelming. Like, it's yeah. just a giant foot in your ass, especially if, like, you're not at all accustomed to that sort of, like, uber megalopolis, just crowded and so many people. And, you know, it's enormous. And, like, after seeing some of that with you mm-hmm. and also experiencing Kyoto as well, um, I really liked Osaka. Yeah, I think Osaka is a nice place to live because not only is it kind of less hustle and bustle like Tokyo is, it's also mm-hmm. very close to Kyoto and Kobe where if you want to go somewhere that's quite unique and very, very chill, those are just a maybe a an hour train ride away. Mm-hmm. So I highly recommend Osaka. Not only to visit, but if you live in Japan, if you want to, that'd be a great place. Not too big, not too small. Well, it's quite big, but not. It's the Japanese city that Goldilocks chose. Yeah, just right. (laughs) James, how are you doing on your side? You know, it's all right. The weather had been really nice up until the last couple days, and then suddenly it started like perking up over night well over 90 degrees oh god it's a little bit like uh it's coming yeah yeah it's coming if you ever like yeah live in arizona that's the time what do you what is it like only two weeks of bliss every uh transition from winter to spring and fall to oh i'm sorry summer to fall i wouldn't say that because this like this winter and spring, I would say, has been really generally pretty nice overall. Um, yeah. But that said, like, I'm really hoping we don't just lurch into full tilt summer yet, which I don't think we quite are yet. Like, it's going to roll back down somewhat after a couple of days and get more like high 70s, low 80s, which is still, you know, lovely. Um, So, yeah, just... uh kind of preparing for what's coming seasonally here the huge but but you can't beat that weather especially uh not so much rain i think that's one thing i kind of miss being in japan where we have a lot of torrential rain yep so yep way uh, more tropical where you are buddy and don't forget the nice sunsets 
in yep. Arizona. Nice yep. purple skies. Uh, yep. Basically, uh, here in Japan, we have a different type of, uh, I guess, uh, if Gran Turismo is right, which they did research, uh, they have a cloud system where uh, basically they try to emulate the weather in other cities to the to the T. And they said the way uh, clouds accumulate in Japan is very different from clouds in America and other places. So that's why they did a lot of research. And yeah, I mean, that's why sunsets are different. And okay, <laughs> I know it's a weird the thing. The more you know, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, yeah, for sure. I do miss so the purple sunsets in Arizona. Yes, yep. People, people love them. Visitors love them. It's a, it's a visual staple of this place. Um, Quite so unique. speaking of Gran Turismo, let's <laughs> uh, lurch into our water cooler. <laughs> segment um obviously um very dominant topic in video game news as of late is the fury of a great number of players of the just released gran turismo 7 um because it has an always online component to it and Uh when that fell apart recently um people weren't even able to play by themselves like single player mode oh which is really like kind of awful in a in a astounding way to me personally um yeah you know we well we sort of we talk about this kind of stuff all the time just like you know the the perils of you know digital ownership and how your ownership of a variety of games, you know, once a console sort of steps away from the main stage and becomes no longer supported, like there's just this steady drip of a lot of really good games, just increasingly becoming almost impossible to access on older platforms, unless you engage in emulation or other gray market solutions. Um, you know, yeah. not surprisingly, the <clears throat> developer of Gran Turismo 7 kind of issued a huge apology. They promised a million credits to all of their users, and they're trying to, they're iterating that they're going to have a much more generous content system. Um, I don't know, like, this is one of those strange topics for me, because, like, the issues it poses are infinitely more interesting to me than, like, the game itself Um. yeah because both you and i don't we don't play gran turismo but no i mean it's it's one of those running jokes for me because like i have tried or i used to try just about every iteration of gran turismo going like okay maybe this is the year or the moment in which this very sim-like racer sort of appeals to me like maybe it's this version that i'll that'll finally suck me in somehow and i just oh my god it's just it's the most boring fucking thing i think i've ever played (laughs) and i'll admit that i'm not you know 
I've never been a sim person. I've also never been much of like a real car buff. So the idea of having all these different makes and models of sports cars and, you know, buying cooler brake pads or whatever, like all that stuff has never really appealed to me. I mean, I was always, you know, such a big fan of Sega and Namco's arcade racing games. And so I just want to like sit down and go fast and try to beat all the other cars. Like that's all, that's the only way those games have ever really, you know, resonated to me. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just, no, I mean, maybe maybe you're what, what (laughs) I was just going to say, like, maybe, maybe I'm just too, dumb or impatient of a gamer to be able to wrap my head around those games but i just like like all the qualifying shit and then just like earning a license like none of that stuff has ever like and i've tried many times i think i think the last one that i tried to give it a legitimate go at was whichever version of gran turismo graced the playstation 3 Mm-hmm. It was probably the last time I took an honest swing at it, and I just, uh, uh-uh, uh, man, just I can't. Well, but I'm bummed for all those gamers who had their experience shat upon from a great height by the well, online yeah. <laughs> breakdown. <laughs> and not only that, I mean, they still kind of danced around that particular topic. They didn't address right. anything about, oh, hey, uh. Maybe we'll do something about being offline that you can still do stuff. Uh, that's, and not only that, I think uh, one of the uh, blog entries that they had recently referred to Gran Turismo 7 as a live service, which mm. that is not good, man. Because right. that is the first live service game in the series, if that is what they uh intend to do and a lot of people didn't sign up for that right a lot of people they were infuriated because think about it if you let's say you had some time finally to sit down and play Gran Turismo 7 and you're anticipating getting on you know getting on and playing and then you find out oh my god I can't play because it's saying that uh it's in maintenance it's right. under maintenance and uh the first uh update from what has been said it was down for 32 hours because what they did was they tried to do an update but they noticed that some of the systems would not boot up correctly after the update they found that out post update so that's why they tried to fix it and then in in the as a result they made another update to finally get back online and fix the previous issue so that's why it took so long yeah but this i don't know some companies they don't have this roadmap sorted out where it's like okay if a happens what do we do right do we have a b or a c to go to it's kind of like how we talked about street fighter 5 when they 
brought out their game and noticed, oh my God, we're getting all these. There's no, uh, con- there's no content in this thing. Yeah. Like, at the jump. <laughs> exactly. And from what some people have said about Gran Turismo 7, that's kind of the same deal as well, where it's like, okay, the main thing is to grind. And if we're not able to grind offline, what what's up with that? And also just the fact that they also just made it harder to grind because there's not enough events, not enough things to do that's not boring to right. grind. And some people... They were resorting to racing the short tracks to get money. And then lo and behold, Sony, or was it Polyphony Digi- Digital? Is yeah, that the name Polyphony. of the company? Yep. Polyphony Digi- uh, Digital. After the update, they reduced, let me see, 16 races, the payout of 16 races wow. to be less. Some of them less than half of what you could earn previously. Right. So, I mean, it does seem like they're, it does seem like they're conscious about that, especially given this sort of, you know, apology slash announcement about, you know, giving all the affected users a million credits and then a more generous content system, which sounds specifically like, like they're addressing this, you know, reduced payouts for some races thing. Yeah. But it just... I don't know. Like it, it really just, it doesn't inspire a lot of confidence in many of the things that they're trying to do. Like, you know, I understand that a lot of people love online gaming much more than I do. Like, you know, for me, that's still kind of a secondary thing, but Same here, yeah. Um, I mean, you love the ever living shit out of Pac-Man 99. You know what I, I mean? I do. Oh, but I mean, I, I understand that that at least I know is online. It was online from the start, online only. And right. I understand. It didn't cost anything either. Well, that too. <laughs> I didn't pay 70 bucks for it. That's for right. sure. Yeah. And I even paid the what? Um 20 bucks to get all the content. Because right. it deserved it. So right. leave that to the decision of the customer. Not yeah. force them to pony up 70 bucks for the PS5 version on top of whatever microtransactions you're pressuring people to actually buy these cars, which get this. Uh, let's look at, was it? The last one was Grand Treasonal Sport, right? I think so. In this game, along with several games previous to that, uh, the top of the line cars used to cost three to five real dollars. Whereas in Gran Turismo 7, those same cars can cost up to $40 each. That's how, that's how egregious it was. Wow. And not to mention, you have to buy online currency. You can't buy the cars outright. Right. So let's say, and they stagger the amounts of the cars. So mm-hmm. let's say, for example, there's a car that costs three million credits, and Sony allows you to buy 
2 million credits at a time. So you'd have to buy two sets of 2 million credits just to buy this 3 million credit car, which is, like I said, about 40 US dollars. Wow. I, I, I think that's how much a top-of-the-line car would cost, about 3 million credits. I could be mistaken, but yeah. Imagine buying extra credits just to buy a car and then you'll have a million credits left and you're like, what am I going to do with this now? <laughs> so, right. yeah. And there is a lot of predatory types of, uh, you know, microtransactions. They used, mm-hmm. you know, FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. Yeah. Uh-huh. So they would uh, have these events where they would say, oh, yeah, this car's here for a limited time but only for this time before it's gone for a long time. Wow. And you never want to be in that situation, you know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, if I don't buy this car now, it's probably going to not show up in the next five months. (laughs) I'm exaggerating here, but... Well, I'm just... Yeah, I mean, that definitely seems like, you know, it's an abusive extrapolation and yeah. of what is already like completely artificial scarcity, right? Yep. Like there's no reason that there should be, you know, a limit on digital content in that way. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I agree. Oh yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's not cool. And I feel bad for people that were probably really looking forward to that title and seeing this, unbelievably sexy new version of Gran Turismo on their PS5s, but... But, ugh. yeah, Sony just got real greedy. I mean, yeah, just in general, you can tell because a lot of these things that they installed in GT7 mm-hmm. were not like this in previous Gran Turismo games. Like, another example is in Gran Turismo 7, you cannot sell cars. Whereas in the previous games, you could. It's like, mm-hmm. that was one way to make money. Like you, so, I don't know how you get the cars in the game if you win a race or whatever, or if you buy a car and then get sick of it and you want to sell it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a way to get money uh, in game. So you wouldn't have to buy credits all the time. Sony right. finally uh, relented on that. And in yesterday's blog, they said, yeah, we'll let you sell cards again. But, I mean, it's just another example. I, I mean, this is, this is not just Gran Turismo 7. A lot of people have been saying that Sony has been getting pretty greedy recently. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, with the $70 price tag on games instead of $60. Like, I understand. Like, if costs are rising with development yeah mm-hmm. sure right i, I think mean everyone understands that, that should get passed on to consumers to a certain extent i mean you know you huh. and i both paid our 75 bucks or whatever for a copy of street fighter 2 on the super nes yeah i mean those kinds of price tags have been present in gaming for a really long time and if you adjust for inflation you know that copy of street fighter 2 
on the Super NES in 1992 was a hell of a lot more expensive mm-hmm. than a $70 PS5 game now. But, um, I don't know. I mean, to me, this is like, you can see this really long, clear pattern of like, when a company wins the previous console war, they always seem to come to the plate just a little bit greedier than they were before. Yeah. And whoever lost the previous time always seems to be like, Hey, we're just trying to make amends to consumers. You know what I mean? Like we want them, we want them to be happy. You know, I mean, Xbox completely shat the bed with Xbox one originally, you know, insisting Mm. on an online connection all the time. Um, packing connect right in the box and having that be on all the time and the entire thrust of that e3 presentation being on you know multiple screens and oh you could be streaming the old star trek show while the star trek movie is on and then you can also buy tickets for the next one in another little window you know what i mean like yeah it was just like this is your set-top box of Doom, and it had so little to do with their core gaming business um, that a lot of people, myself included, were just like, all right, screw this. I think I'm going PlayStation this time. You know what I mean? And Sony played off of that magnificently. You know, you brought it up. the, The famous example of, like, this is how game sharing works on PS4. And the guy turns to another guy with the disc in his hand. Here you go. You know, <laughs> I mean, they played exactly. off that really, really well. And I think, you know, with this generation, those roles have definitely flipped once again, where, you know, Microsoft was uh, being very open overall about the concept of backwards compatibility. Um, Apparently that's already over though. So I may have spoken too soon, (laughs) but you know, now it's really about the, what most gamers perceive to be a fantastic value with Xbox game pass. And as further evidence of your idea that Sony has gotten really greedy. I mean, Sony is apparently working on their answer to game pass right now, but it's apparently rumored that very few like brand new triple a releases are going to be accessible with that service. So if they're not, yeah, I don't really know why you'd bother. You know what I mean? I think they just want to ride the name of game pass that Xbox kind of championed and try to see if they can make money off that and not, really bring up the goods like so uh microsoft has done mm-hmm. you know what i mean like uh ride the coattails basically mm-hmm. but in my opinion geez grand Turismo 7 should be on that list of games that should be on sony's particular game pass because a- as i mentioned before just 70 dollars for a game that you also are pushing microtransactions I don't know. I don't see the worth in that. I mean, I, as I said before, I'll give you 
the benefit of the doubt if you're saying costs are rising with development and okay, right. I'll pay 70 bucks. But if you're also pushing microtransactions aggressively and not giving people much of a chance to earn these things like cars or whatnot in game without having to pay for it, then I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think you're being sincere anymore when it comes to right. that. I mean, yeah. there are games that don't rely on microtransactions that could have been 70 bucks. Like for example, Elden Ring, look how popular right. that game is. Right. I mean, it's only what you said. I think you said it was 60 bucks, right? I believe it's got an MSRP of fifty nine ninety nine on Xbox. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> Sony, you got to shape up, man, because this crap's not going to fly. People called you out on that. And look yeah, at you now. I mean, I mean, I'm sure their first answer to that would be, well, let's see how many PS5s are sitting on a shelf right now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I can see how they would be arrogant in this specific environment still. But sadly, yes, know, I agree. <laughs> I think it definitely is up to gamers to raise hell about stuff when things like this Gran Turismo 7 outage happen. Like, you know, yeah. you, you cannot ask for, you know, that amount of money that you know, carries with it a very concrete set of expectations for players. Like you expect to be able to play your game whenever the hell you want it when you plunk down 60 or 70 bucks for it. So, yep. Hey, remember that time you were, I mean, just right now you're mentioning that E3 presentation and mm -hmm. Sony just chided like Microsoft on its on, on always online type of deal. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yep. They even had a tweet about it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. now everyone's bringing up that tweet saying like, look at you now. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> With Gran Turismo 7. Yeah. Play has no limits. Yeah, my ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Whatever. So in happier news, um, the new Kirby game dropped. Yeah. Have you picked it up? I have not. I had to make a business decision. I wanted to get that game and another game. And I had to choose one for now and one for next week. So I'll let you know what I chose later and now playing. But okay. Yeah, I'm excited to get Kirby. Um did you get to read that blog uh with the developers? I understand that it took some special finesse from the programmers to get the way you expect Kirby's powers to work, to work in 3D, right? Yeah, especially with uh, hit detection. Right. And they uh, made it so that even if it looks like, well, if it doesn't physically hit, if the camera angle kind of makes it look like it hits, then it will register a hit, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Because they showed a video on it where if you change the camera angle to a like above, you'll see that Kirby completely whiffs with the sword attacking a enemy, but then uh, it'll still register as a hit. So I don't know what kind of tech they're using, but that is pretty impressive. Like, how do you judge that? But 
I think uh, it reminds me a lot of, uh, remember uh, when Street Fighter 4 was doing location tests in Japan in game centers? Mm-hmm. Uh, there was that first time when they released it and a lot of people were saying, like, it doesn't feel like Street Fighter because what they were doing initially was when a character hit another character, it would actually calculate the exact uh, polygons that were connecting. And then Capcom, with the help, help of Seth Killian, who's a, you know, one of the classic... One uh, of the Street ancient heads. Yeah. Yep. And he worked at Capcom at the time. He was the one that actually said, put back the hitboxes that we're all used to. Right. The hitboxes and the hurt boxes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, once... They did that, and then they put that in for the second location test. It felt a lot more like Street Fighter. So I nice. thought that was cool that Kirby did the same thing, kind of. No, so. it's fantastic that like there's still there's still puzzles to be solved with regards to the way a lot of different genres like have to work in 3D. You know, yeah. it's pretty it's pretty interesting that even you know though we've functionally had 3D gaming with us now for, you know, over 25 years, you know, you could argue since the advent of PlayStation 1 that it was really like a consistent thing. Um, Yeah, we're still but, figuring out how something should work. Yeah, I mean, there was that, and uh, Kirby, you know, he, he he's very simple looking. So you don't think about it until you actually see it in action. But when Kirby runs around in the 3D environment, because he's got like just a circle for a body and two little stubs for arms and a very yeah. simple face, sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard to tell where he's looking at when he's looking towards the background or kind of diagonally towards the background. So they had to find some ways to kind of help the player uh kind of adjust to that which yeah it's like it's so interesting once uh a a game kind of oversteps an engine that they've been in for so many years mm-hmm. how they how game developers adjust to that i always found it fascinating no definitely yeah but i mean it's a unique it's a unique character and he has a unique form of attacks and movement. And so, yeah, it's, it's super interesting that that posed some brand new puzzles for that, for the, that team. Yeah. Um, now beyond that, of course, um, not everything was lovely in Nintendo land. Um, the last couple of weeks, um, no. <laughs> there was a very interesting story of, Nintendo of America issuing a cease and desist to is it Kotaku? Uh, no, it was a uh, it was a uh, from a Twitter account. It, uh, okay. The the account name is Comfort Food Video Games. Uh, okay. Their account name uh, you can look them up at Comfort Food VG on Twitter. Okay. So, but yeah, yeah. they had these beautiful high-res scans of this ridiculously rare Japanese Super Mario 64 guide, which was never actually sold in the States. 
Um, and it's just one more. It's just one more example of like Nintendo just being kind of a dick when it comes to preservation of these things. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. doubtful that that guide is ever going to be reproduced or sold once again. Um, on on eBay, it's reported to be selling for h- hundreds of dollars. Right. No, I know there's a there's a long string of different hard to find now Nintendo guides, particularly many of those made in Japan that are going for a stupid amount of money now. But yeah. you know, the whole question here is like, look, if you're never going to sell this again, why would you give a rat's ass about some industrious gamer like having a copy taking fantastic scans of it and putting it out there for people. Yeah, because it's not the, costing you a nickel. Like you're never going to sell this again. And it's free advertising. Right. I mean, Mario 64 is now out on the, the NSO, the Nintendo service online package yeah. with the uh, Nintendo 64 games. And you have the, uh, well, until he stopped selling it, the super Mario 3d collection. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I still just don't understand Nintendo's logic about this and so many other things. I mean, it just it plays into this exact same conversation about greed and you yeah. know, the, a company's a, a company certainly has a right to control their own intellectual property, but yeah. At one point when the commercial viability of something like that is so significantly increased or basically non-existent, as we know, this guy's never going to make it into circulation again. Yeah. Like, why, why would you care? Like, why would you, why would you spend your own money having your own legal teams like put time and effort into that like it's it's really bizarre yeah i mean the reason why the the guy uh put up these uh scans of the guide is because there were some really nicely done maps like 3d panoramic maps that were Mm -hmm. printed on this 1996 guide and this person just wanted to show people hey look how awesome this is Right. But he's not like begging for money. He's just saying, look, look at what we missed. And yeah. a lot of people appreciate those things. And yeah. why wouldn't you share it? Because if he didn't do that in the first place, we would have never known it existed. So right. I, I don't know. It, it's stuff like this. And I think maybe you remember this recent event where... Nintendo did a season desist, put thousands of copyright strikes on a person named Gilva Sunner, who had a YouTube channel that had a lot of the uh, classic and current Nintendo music. And he wasn't making any money. He was just, right. he loves Nintendo. He had this channel for 11 years. Yeah. And out of the blue, Nintendo just came. Did a lot of C and D's 
like I said, thousands of CDs on his music. Yeah. And he said, you know, I understand. I it's your stuff, but we appreciate your stuff. And you don't have it online on Spotify or iTunes. So what are we supposed to do? We would give you money if we could. Mm-hmm. But you you're not giving us that option. Yeah. So it it's that and what happened with the scans. I'm sorry, Nintendo. You just look like a complete dick. I mean, I yeah. love Nintendo stuff, but man, yep. you got to know how to choose your battles because yeah. your image is becoming more and more negative the, yeah. the more you do this stuff. I mean, you're, I mean, you're getting, I mean, you're already at the Disney level. Yeah. Say. I mean, they're really putting the wood to people in the gaming community that just love them the most. Yeah. And that just seems like such a, it seems like such a weird, like short-sighted strategy to me. Like, do you really want to lash out at the people that are basically, you know, they're polishing your legend every single day with the content they want to create. And you're not going to stop that outright anytime soon, nor should you aspire to. No, you know, because like really, I said, it's free it's, advertising. Yeah. I mean, all of that stuff exists to keep a fan base completely plugged in. And I mean, if your whole outlook on this is that, the only interaction someone should ever have with your product is that which you put out. And when you decide to put it out. <laughs> right. I mean, that's, it's, it's so unbelievably short-sighted if you don't allow your biggest fans to express their love for your stuff. You know, if all you see are copyright strikes with things like this, I just, yeah. I, I don't know. Like it, it's really pretty, it, it paints a pretty gruesome image going forward with regard to like fandom and how all of this stuff exists. And it's really just, you know, it's people trying to be passionate about the thing that you're making and it doesn't, you know, I'd be willing to bet if you, were able to study the long-term impact of like how people get excited about these things and stay excited about these things. How much of that is directly attributable to your own marketing versus things that they engage with online created by friends of theirs that are fans of this stuff. I mean, I just, I only have four words for that, and it's you're doing it wrong. Yeah, they <laughs> they, they, they got to do the math. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Just yeah, sit down for a second, and you know, just think about okay, if you're going to be super anal about things, what are you really losing from these cases that right are legitimately taking away from your business, and what are you losing from these? types of cases where it, it's really really ticky tacky and over i i think it's overdoing it 
Yeah. What what does that have to do with anything that you're going to gain in terms of profit? I I don't think you're going to have a very good result. I mean, it's just something that why are you bothering with it? I mean, let's look at a good example of how fandom can really boost a company like Sega. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're well aware of I mean, you know, there's a lot of Sonic fan games and Sega's yeah, official account. They're like, oh, you're copying our stuff? Or no, not copying, but oh, you're making fan games? Oh, yeah, keep doing it. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's well, how Sonic I mean, they, Mania I, was done. Right. I mean, I think they've all taken their turns being villain in this particular regard. Like, I know there was a really great and well-conceived Streets of Rage remake for PC yeah. that Sega had struck down. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. Like, you would just think at a certain point with, you know, many of these companies enjoying record profits, like, you know, I get it. If somebody is selling, like, modded switch systems that allow you to easily play pirated games or whatever. Yeah. Fine. You know, that's a, that's a direct threat to your bottom line. And you know, it's, you can very easily make that connection with that stuff, but. Or hosting ROMs. Yeah. Right. I mean, even with the, even with the hosting ROMs thing, I mean, Again, there's so many of those games that are in that catalog that Nintendo's never put back up in any sort of purchasable form. Yeah. So, I mean, are you just supposed to go, oh, I guess it's not playable anymore. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I don't, I, yeah, it's. NSO. And again, <laughs> well, and again, you know. This stuff has been around for well over 30 years at this point. Yeah. And you're never going to, you're never going to stop it entirely. Yeah. You know, but again, what they're trying to do is just create this atmosphere of fear. I mean, they want people to be afraid to do this stuff or host ROMs or whatever. And I don't know, like, like at what point is, at what point are you actually making enough money? Yeah. You know, I just, I don't know. It's a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, th I think, uh, one last example that thankfully yeah. did not get shut down, but mm -hmm. man, if Nintendo did something, uh, you know, to collaborate with these people, it would be yeah. amazing. Yeah. If you ever seen, uh, what Curio Medic did on YouTube, uh, I think it's a group of people that made like a trailer for Mother 3 and mm. they redid it so that it's, uh, I don't know if they used Unreal or not, but it looks so impressive and it mm. looks like something Nintendo would have made and should yeah. make and people have that loved same it. sort of polish. Yeah. Nice. It, it, Look it up on YouTube, Curiomatic, okay. Mother 3. Trivia. Well, I know there's been, a, there's been a bunch of projects of a similar ilk. Like, I know they also, re, you know, somebody rebuilt at least a portion of the Ocarina of Time and Unreal Engine. Yeah. And then there was also a really impressive PC port of Super Mario 64 
Yeah. Um, was that the one with the uh, high res or? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's genuinely beautiful looking. Um, I don't know, man. I, I just, I don't, you know, I get it that, you know, some in-house guy has done the math and said, well, you know, we could be losing this much. And so we, it's worthwhile to spend X less than that on, you know, a boatload of cease and desist orders or whatever. And I just think you're not really considering like the collateral PR damage because there's really a lot of people that just are crazy about your stuff and they want to celebrate it and you're taking a dump on them. Yeah. So just consider, consider doing something else. Yeah. Like relearning math. (laughs) Go back to school. Like Wolf Hawkfield always said, (laughs) did you feel the real power? Go back to school. Oh, wow. (laughs) Is that VF4 Wolf? I think it's VF4. Yeah. Okay. It's it's uh the one on PlayStation 2 if I remember correctly. Right. Yeah. VF4, VF4. and VF4 Evo. Yep. Yar. Love those games. <laughs> All right. Well, um let's stop bitching about things and let's talk about what we're playing now, Ed. Okay. <laughs> I want to I want to be on a, a a more positive note. Yeah. I mean, yeah. all that negativity stuff just Yeah. Just uh, put it away put it in a box put put it in a hertz locker let's shake it off like taylor swift yeah <laughs> so what are you playing right now ed well you know recently i've had to give up on my new year's resolution i'm sorry mm-hmm. i could not finish one game a month because number one the games i i, I was playing with the time I have nowadays, I, I just couldn't beat the games. Yeah. And, you know, when you force yourself to beat games, it just doesn't, it's not fun. Mm-hmm. So I, I said, well, I'm still playing games, so I think that's that's enough. So, yeah. Um, Streets of Rage 4, I'm still working on, sadly enough. Still mm. not good enough. Um, Millie and Molly. I talked about last cast. Um, I got to level 89, so I got 10 uh, levels to go. But that game, it's not a game where you can play every day. It's like, it's a puzzle game. So it's like, if you get stuck in a puzzle, you're not going to want to go back to it immediately. You need some time off of it. So that's what I'm doing with that right now. Just getting a couple days off on that. Mm -hmm. Um, As I mentioned before, I had a choice between Kirby and the Forgotten Land to buy or this game. And I chose this game, which is Tempest 4000, which came out on Switch this week. And I did not get a chance to play Tempest 2000 or uh, TXK, Mm -hmm. uh, which is the uh, off-brand that... uh, Jeff Minter made without Atari's permission. I don't know if it's still available because of the legal See, this, stuff. This this Tempest Four Thousand game has like a really weird history because, yeah, um, you know there was the original Tempest back in nineteen eighty one, which was this very well regarded 
pioneering classic game that also um, featured these really unique vector screen images. You know, it was very proto 3D and it had this really aggressive soundscape also. Like, if you heard that game in an arcade, like, it completely stand, it stood out, like, in a major way. Um, yeah. And then, famously with the Atari Jaguar, there was Tempest 2000, which was Jeff Minter's original sort of, like, pumped up, more modernized take on Tempest. And I played that when it originally dropped. I had a good friend of mine who, you know, he was kind of a, he was kind of a crazy sort of DIY gamer, gamer like before that stuff was a thing. So he actually had a Jaguar with an RGB monitor and a hacked cable for that Jaguar. And so I got to play it that way. And that game was really cool. It was really addictive. It came with a soundtrack CD and that soundtrack is actually one that I still love quite a bit. Um, and then apparently there was Tempest 3000 for the Nuon, which wow. <laughs> like 11 people in Guam played apparently. <laughs> like, yeah. I've no, not I don't a, think not, I've heard of that system before. Yeah. Uh-huh. So also not a common thing. And then for the PlayStation Vita, Jeff Minter developed this game called TXK and it doesn't bear the Tempest name as kind of an end around around the obvious legal considerations that Atari would have. Um, but it had this really fantastic brand new soundtrack that was just a bunch of UK artists, as far as I know. Yeah. And they gave it this really wonderful sort of retro ravey sound to it. And if you have a PS Vita still, um, you should probably download that as soon as you can because it may not actually be available yeah. for much longer. Um, now I've played the retail release of Tempest Four Thousand to this point, and it's kind of a bummer because oddly enough, Tempest Four Thousand soundtrack is lifted directly from Tempest Two Thousand. That that's what I noticed. Yeah, which is a great yeah. soundtrack, but. It's a re like that's still a good soundtrack, but like those new tracks that were created for TXK mm -hmm. were fantastic and they really went with the gameplay that's going on in Tempest 4000 in a much better way. So Man. I have mixed feel feelings about it, but at the same time, like it's still a really good cracking game and you know. You should enjoy it, and that'll actually be, you know, that's that's a nice one to play like portably. Yeah, so. and that's what I love. I mean, that's what I'm all about: portability. And yep, maybe someday I'll get a PS Vita again because I used to have one, and unfortunately, I sold it. But for still TXK, a lot of good stuff on that platform, man. Yeah, if TXK yeah. is still there, I'll probably get it. But yeah, yeah. I mean. I, I I liked Tempest back in the day when I was growing up, but what really uh kind of boosted my love for it was uh when I bought the New Wave Toys mini cab, the replicate mm -hmm. of Tempest, and it's mm -hmm. really, really awesome to look at and play. 
So yeah. when I started playing that game again, along with Centipede, which New Wave's, New Wave Toys also made, um, I'm really digging the old uh, Atari classics. So I was super happy when this game was announced. And that's why I had that hard decision, you know, get Tempest 4000 right, right now or get Kirby right now. So, yeah. you know, Kirby will always be there. So I'll yep. get it next week for sure. But I, I think I, I made mean, the that's right the thing. decision. You don't, yeah, unless it's a specific game that you're really chomping at the bit to play, like yeah, you know, pretty much anything that's like a major Nintendo release, it's yeah. gonna be around, unless it's exactly all stars. And uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> God damn Nintendo, I hate you. <laughs> but I mean, you. Have you ever been one of those uh, moods where it's like there's an itch you can't really scratch? That's how I feel right yes. now with gaming right now. So I'm glad yeah. Tempest 4000 is scratching that itch. But for a while, there were times where I, I'd sit there and I, I would say, I'd, I want to play a game, but I don't really want to play the games I have right now. It's kind of weird. Yeah. No, uh, I get it. Like sometimes you're just jonesing for something else and you don't know what it is until you discover it like i've been in moods like that before it does happen yeah i just want um, a simple game yeah but yeah i'm glad tempest you. tempest is doing that for me how about you man Sweet. um so i purchased the booster course pack for mario kart 8 on the switch Sweet. and um you know, there had been a lot of online conjecture about the screenshots that Nintendo released for these courses. Um, some of those courses are, in fact, lifted directly from the mobile Mario Kart game. Um, oh, Mario Kart Tour? Are... Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Um, some of them are lifts from other games in the series. Um, didn't they uh bring one out for the Game Boy version, Game Boy Advance, Super Mario Kart, uh, what Mario Circuit or something like that? There was Mario Kart Super Circuit, yeah, on Super the Circuit GBA, yeah. And I know, I think there's a couple of courses in the like regular lineup on Mario Kart Eight that are from that, and of course. Mm -hmm they have to be completely reinvented because with Mario Kart Super Circuit on the GBA, like all of those courses are going to just be composed of tile maps rather than actual 3D models. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I get it that, that like when I look at like the Paris or to Tokyo course in that DLC, there's definitely nowhere near the kind of geometric complexity and overall visual polish that went into the courses that are on both Mario Kart 8 and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe for the Switch. Mm. Um, yet at the same time, like, I'm just happy to have some new courses to run on. Well, yeah, um, I mean, it's quite an old game. Yeah. And it was unexpected to get all these levels. I mean, yes, there's a pass, but some people would gladly pay for a pass to kind of delve in again and experience new yeah. things or familiar things. 
Yeah, because the thing is, like, I just I find the core gameplay with that game so damn good. Yeah, that to just have some more tracks to run on, like, I'm pretty good with. So I don't know. Like, I definitely understand some people feeling like this was a bit of a cheap old cash grab. Yet at the same time, like, I think most people had written Mario Kart Eight Deluxe as just you know, that's done. Like that's let, complete as it's ever going to be. So let me guess they want Mario Kart nine instead. Well, yeah, <laughs> of course they do. But, but <laughs> man, why, are you gonna be, why do they got to be complaining pants about it? Why do, why don't they become complaining pants about things that matter? Like GT seven <laughs> being right. predatory. Well, I mean, it's pretty obvious that like Nintendo's definitely not slapping Mario Kart Nine on anything until they've got a new piece of hardware they're trying to sell, you know, or upgrade the Switch. Yeah, but right. I mean, it's um, just not gonna happen otherwise. So yeah. yeah. So hold on Better to your complaining pants. That's exactly. all you gotta say. Yeah. Use, use that um, focus on Sony. <laughs> yep. So beyond that, um, I also picked up somewhat of an older title for PS4, which is. Katsui Kizuna Jigoku Tachi Extra. And wow. That's Katsui. A it is a mouthful. Um, and I didn't even get the entire title because, okay, the name for the home version yeah. is Katsui Deathtony Kizuna Jigoku Tachi. And the, of course, that word is a pun on death and destiny, but it's also uh, like ridiculous to me because when I say destiny, it just sounds like I'm saying destiny with a lisp. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's it's hey, destiny. Hey, uh, <laughs> did you play that new game called Destiny Two on on right, right, on right, 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 yeah. Four? It's right, so right, awesome. right. Yeah. I mean, I know. Yeah. So, um, at any rate, for those who don't know, um, Katsui is a cave shoot 'em up, which came out way back in 2002. And I remember seeing screenshots of it and being really stoked and wanting to play it because I've been a long time cave fan. Um, but there never seemed to be like, a good solid home version of it, at least when I was in the market for it. Um, I had to wait six years to actually play the arcade game, which was when I visited Japan in the summer of 08 and hung out with you. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, you know, a few years ago, K or uh, M2 released this game as part of their shot triggers collection. And I finally got a copy of it and it's friggin' excellent. So M2 has been on fire recently, man, with all the yeah. shoot 'em up collections like Tiger Heli. Yeah. I really need to get that someday because. Yeah. I always love Twin Cobra. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. Fondest memory of uh, playing that at Peter Piper Pizza. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I remember playing it at, um, there was this now defunct water park in Tucson that was called Justin's Waterworld. Oh, and, man. Um, Such a beautiful place. Sit down, hair, uh, Space Harrier. Well, beautiful and slightly terrifying because a lot of those water slides, like, maintenance didn't seem to be that high on the to-do list around there. 
Oh. So a lot of those water slides, like, they're just made out of, like, giant aluminum tubes. Like, they weren't the fancier, like, plastic flumes for you to slide down. So a lot of times, like, (laughs) if you took, like, a bad bounce and then, like, scraped like uh, particularly at a place in one of those pipes where it would be kind of angled and there'd be like a little bit of metal, like lip to some yeah. of those surfaces, man. You oh could, my uh, God. you could, you could skin yourself pretty gnarly if you weren't like really connected with your, uh, <laughs> with your trajectory down the slide. So that's probably yeah, why they're not around anymore because probably lawsuits. <laughs> Rot- rotten hell justin's water world <laughs> oh well uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna let you in a little secret james i, I can't yeah. i can't swim so oh. when i was at when my school went to justin's water world i spent most of the time at the arcade <laughs> wow so yeah i didn't experience well, I remember the, slides. The, the reason this popped up to me is because i remember they actually had a twin cobra machine there yeah that arcade yeah. was awesome it was epic yeah. like i said they had a sit down space harrier there one time right it's beautiful yeah so you could just you know mac out with like a sketchy burger and fries from the little grill there and then play some old up you know some some games from the time and uh yeah they played 80s music on their really awesome sound system that they had near the pool yeah it's great oh yeah too bad i couldn't swim <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, right. hung out on the shallow end, <laughs> chilling. Yeah. You gotta, nice. you gotta enjoy the summers around here somehow. <laughs> yeah. At any rate, we are going to take a break so that we can spotlight some of the other programs you can find right here on the Ruminations Radio Network. You should definitely check some of them out give a listen subscribe if you like them and we will be right back hey kids it's don shinhan from the cinephile hissy fit one of the podcasts on the ruminations radio network if you've been enjoying this show come listen to will johnson and i fight it out over cinema's best and worst on cinephile hissy fit find us and all the great shows over on ruminationsradionetwork.com all right we're back. Hey, hey, James. Guess hey, what? what? Um, talking about uh, the Ruminations Radio Network, uh, I'm going to be a guest on Retro Futurist Culture. Nice. We're going to talk about Battle Angel. Excellent. You know that series, right? Classic. I do very well. Are yeah. you, wait, are you, are you just, are you discussing like the classic manga and the, sh- and the OVA and the new movie? I have no idea, but I've seen all three, so as I can a, talk about. I. Yeah, right. so, yeah, I yeah. can talk about anything that Optimus brings up. I'm a huge nice. fan, so pretty Perfect. excited. Yeah, Whoop. but yeah, uh, uh, retro futurist culture. Check them out on our website, ruminationsradionetwork.com. Yep, look him up. You He's great. Should yeah, yeah, yep. We are big fans and very old friends of uh, good old Optimus. Good old Optimus, aka Milkman. Yep. Aka. I didn't have another one. I'm just nuts of Fury. I call them Nuts of Fury. 
because he That's had a long some... story we don't have time for. <laughs> <laughs> the courage on that man another I, time I, I, I still am amazed i i'm in awe and i will always be impressed by him so yes Hoptimus, yeah. here's to you my friend <laughs> yes good show good show looking forward to talking with you soon yeah so we're gonna dive into the big question and this feels like a timely one given all the sort of crapulent corporate behavior that we have been discussing today. And that question is, what might cause you to give up modern video games altogether? Oh, man. Eddie. <laughs> we just touched on a lot of things, as you said, uh, just in the beginning of this cast with aggressive microtransactions, always online statuses things like that and those are really tough to get around um but what i would fear the most to the point where i wouldn't want to be playing modern games on modern consoles anymore i actually experienced uh kind of a little bit pre-switch pre-nintendo switch do you remember the time when uh console gaming everyone was saying that oh it's gonna die soon and right probably everyone's just gonna resort to mobile gaming well yeah that, i mean yeah. there was that point in the early 2010s yeah where you first had like streaming movies appear as a component of the online experience with consoles like I first experienced Netflix streaming by way of an Xbox 360. Yeah. And I think that was common for a lot of other people. Um, you also had mobile gaming making substantial inroads given the increasing power of the iPhone and Android equivalents. So, yeah, there was a moment in the early 2010s where people wondered if video game consoles were going to continue to exist in the form in which we knew them. And that Xbox press conference that we were talking shit about earlier yeah. was kind of a big sort of flashing sign in that direction. And, you know, thankfully Sony looked at that and just said, all right, we're going to run in completely the other direction. You know, just kind of a classic, like, you know, Wiley e. Coyote Roadrunner sort of moment, you know, where yeah. Sony chose the better path for that. Um, but yeah, just they're they're back on the wrong path now with Grand Turismo Seven. So it's just yeah, kind of endless loop of sadness. But basically, <laughs> basically. Being in an atmosphere or a gameplay experience that I have no interest in, uh, one being, like I said, if everything was reduced to mobile gaming, mobile gaming is mostly a lot of shallow experiences and <laughs> using touch screen controls instead of an actual pad. That is yeah. something that I would not jive with. And if... Mm -hmm. Uh, gaming, modern gaming came to that where that's all I could do. Thank God when the Switch came out, that stopped all that nonsense because now the Switch kind of 
took things by the horns and said, hey, no, this is real gaming right here for the general masses. Thank God, I think. I mean, even though Nintendo has a lot of missteps, they still do some good things. And yeah, this this is. Yeah, I mean, it's maddening to discuss them because like yeah on the one hand yes you have dickish moves like cease and desist towards people that are just trying to be creative with their things or you know making super mario 3d all-stars a limited time you know disney vault type of purchase um yet at the same time like very few other companies manage to put together the kind of complete experience that still comprises most of their top releases like you think about the amount of gameplay sitting in your base copy of breath of the wild yeah with, <laughs> even without the dlc or super mario odyssey yeah i mean those games are still like they still represent the absolute pinnacle of nintendo's game design so yeah, oh, it's just it's such a mixed bag when you talk about them because there's there's so many fantastic reasons to love what they do and there's so many reasons to just be like the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? <laughs> Don't be a dick, Nintendo. But yeah. they're giving me that atmosphere, that experience that I want, and that's mm-hmm. why I I'm glad they're still here because. Microsoft and Sony, I'm glad they're still here too, but who knows what it's what's going to happen next generation? Are they gonna go straight to cloud gaming, which uh, like you and I have talked about uh we don't know if that's possible with the internet connection, but um that's a possibility uh I don't know about mobile gaming with just smartphones. I think with the switch that kind of kind of showed that hey, there's still room for console gaming, but there's another thing which I really think is not going to happen, but all the corporate bigwigs that have no idea how gaming works keep talking about this buzzword, and that's metaverse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if 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 gaming, console gaming, modern gaming went down to, hey, everything is done in the metaverse. I'll say you're yeah. full of crap. <laughs> because number one do you even know what a metaverse is it's like okay metaverse has been done since world of warcraft and everquest you know put a mm-hmm. your avatar online interact with people it's been done don't try to make it like it's something that just came up and trying to make money off this buzzword with these promises that oh we're gonna live like we always dreamed of in movies and comic books. I don't know. I don't want to be forced to enjoy stuff in a non-traditional gaming environment. I need my control pad. I need my joystick, uh, you know, fighting joystick. I, unless you make it so that controllers read minds and, you know, I can, control things with brain synapses uh, i don't know i i don't think that there's going to be any experience like a metaverse or gimmicky type of environment that's going to 
keep me gaming. It's going to drive me away most definitely. Yeah. So yeah, that's, it was a hard question. I, I love this question, but that would be, yeah. that would be my answer. If you change the atmosphere, the experience yeah. to where I'm forced to do something that I don't feel comfortable doing, and that's the only way I can do it. Then yeah, yeah, it's time to say goodbye, and I would just play with my retro console games forever. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I guess that's sort of the like, even though it would seem to be a fairly radical decision for myself to just say, okay, I'm not buying any of the new games and consoles. Yeah. Like, I have such a ridiculously stupid, monumental mental backlog of things that I still want to play from like the 8-bit era forward that yep. even if I said, all right, you know, I'm tired of Sony and Microsoft's bullshit, like, you know, I'm tired of Nintendo getting rid of eShops, you know, five years after the console goes down or whatever. Like, I just... I'm done with all of that. Like I would still get so much pleasure from playing all of the old fighting games and shoot 'em ups and this, that, and the other that like, I don't ever really foresee myself like running out of things to play, Yeah, but I can see that like, you know, if there's a point where the genres just evolve completely in a direction as far as like things that I'm just not interested in, then yeah, I mean, that might become more of a reality and I might be more compelled to just fire up the mister and not give a shit about everything else. I don't know. Uh, are you talking I about don't feel that way today though? Yeah. But are you what talking about, are you talking about games that are like too complicated? No, just, you know, like I'm already not much of a player of like modern FPS games. Like in general, they just don't do much for me. And I think to a large extent, like, you know, there was a time, there was actually a really long time where I didn't own a PS4 or an Xbox one. Like it took several years for me to even hop on that train because I was just like, eh, I'm kind of good. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't, I wasn't that enamored of like the 360 and PS3 generation myself. Yeah. I know I probably wound up playing more in the way of titles that had appeared on Xbox live arcade, for example, you know, as much more about like outrun online or afterburner climax (laughs) or, you know, man, I wish I could play those games again. Yeah, if we want to talk about <laughs> games that are really difficult to to get a hold of now through purely legal means. Yeah. yeah. Um No, so yeah, I don't I don't know that I will ever stop playing anything entirely. Like I'm always going to need like oh, I have 10 minutes and I'm fully dressed for work and I don't want to leave yet. I'm just going to burn a little bit of time playing Tetris. Like I'm always going to need something like that, but you know, if consoles went to that all streaming model, that's what I'm afraid of too. I've talked about that many times. Yeah, you have. And that might be the thing just makes me go. 
ah, fuck it, you know? Yeah, because, it, I mean, it's weird. It's like, okay, with Netflix, that's understandable because when you watch a movie, it's not like you want to watch a movie every single day, the same movie every single day for months. Yeah. When it comes to a game, you'll play it maybe for weeks or even for months, and then you'll say, okay, I'm going to put it away from now. But maybe two years from now, five years from now, I want to play that same game again. Yeah. I don't See, know if the you... counterpoint I yeah. would issue to that with regard to your observation about Netflix yeah. is that frequently I will think of movies that I haven't seen in a hell of a long time that I want to watch. Yeah. And a fair number of them just aren't available on any streaming service. Yeah. So then it's like, I know well, that feeling. I guess I've got to either look for a Blu-ray or DVD on Amazon or resort to some other means. So <laughs> I've actually already, I was going to say, like, I've already felt that quite a, quite a number of times as, you know, a cinephile. I mean, yeah, that, that shit definitely makes, it makes the absence of a lot of titles felt fairly often. So Oh, I, mean, I don't know, man. the The digital, the era of digital ownership, you know, just has a lot of perils. I mean, there are some games that, like, you know, particularly if they've got a really robust online component, I can appreciate the fact that, like, I don't have to stop and put a disc in. But, you know, the the bargain proposed by that definitely has its immense downside. Yeah. It does. And <laughs> the convenience of it all. I mean, yeah. I understand if let's say you own a switch and you want to go on it, you need to go on a trip. Um, is it better to bring just your switch and have all your games, uh, as digital purchases? So you don't, all you need is your switch unit or, Let's say you have hundreds of games and then you got to choose which games you want to bring and they're all physical. I can understand right. that. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm not gonna say it's a hundred percent. Oh, you should own physical things till the end of time, but it's nice to have these options still. Yeah. Instead of forcing us to say it's digital or nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. If you have physical goods, you have physical games, hold them tight. Don't let them yep. go. Exactly. Ninja 5-0. Ninja 5-0, I miss you. <laughs> I should have never let you go. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, it really always seems to be... It's never games that we're all anticipating and are available everywhere. It's always these really weird, bizarre or innovative titles with short print runs that just wind up like disappearing altogether, you know? Yeah. yeah. And <sighs> it's just, it's like you never know until it happens. And that's why we still need to make that time machine, James. Gotta, Something like that. Gotta do this for the good of gamer kind for, at least for our sake. Wow. 
All right, Uncle Ed. Well, I think we're out of time for this excellent 13th episode of Oh God, It Hurts. As always, for those of you listening out there, thank you so much for listening and subscribing to this here podcast. Um, you're more than welcome to give us a shout on social media. We're at Oh God, It Hurts on Instagram. How are and we on Twitter, Twitter Ed? Same yep. thing on Twitter. Um, oh God, there's also yeah, and we also have a link tree, uh, so that mm-hmm. if you go to uh the, I don't know about the Instagram, but the Twitter one, if you mm-hmm. go there, there's a link tree that you'll see on the profile, and then you can yeah. visit uh our social media pages. So if you're listening to us, please give us a shout on those platforms. Say hello, you know. Suggest a big question, you know. Do something weird holler at us um we do this because we love it and you know ed and i are always down to shoot the shit for another 90 minutes every other week or so because it's a damn good time and uh we will see you next time so thanks for listening everybody (laughs) 